When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is John Stamos, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. John, the first thing I really want to do to start off is uh, welcome to the podcast. Happy birthday to you. Does that, that, it's Tobin's birthday true. today. Happy birthday, yeah, Tobin. Yeah, 30, 31. I want to ask you. 31. Do you, do you remember minute, what you were doing at 31? Did you get my gift? Yeah, it was hair, hair supplies, right? That's funny, but <laughs> it was a hooker. Oh, man. No, well, wrong, wrong address. Wrong address. I did hear a good time next door, though, so maybe. That was, yeah. oh, are you in Newfoundland now? I am in Newfoundland now, yeah. So I did a movie there years ago. I'm sorry I'm hijacking your question, but we'll talk no, about it. No, go that. for it. Go for I, it. I don't, I don't remember 31, but um, I'd have to. Uh, <laughs> It was a beautiful movie about, it was one of the first movies about um, gay marriage. And it was made by these friends of mine, Neil Merritt and Craig Zayden, who did um, some really great movies all the way, great musical stuff too. But I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> John Stamos, Mar- it's something with marriage in it. How did you find your time in Newfoundland? I loved the people. I loved the whole thing. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of what it was. I remember we went fishing. James Brolin played my dad, and that was cool. Okay. And we were we were on a boat. It, it was a little rainy for summer, but I have I have great memories of it. I I really did enjoy my time. I love Canada all about all all over. I get to play with the Beach Boys there quite a bit, which is cool. Hold on, I gotta find the title of this movie. Yeah, sure, sure. When you say when you say it was a little rainy for summer, there are Newfoundlanders out there right now going like. All right, we know he's not a new fee because <laughs> rainy for summer is almost like yeah, it's just normal That's weather. Here. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the people were beautiful. The people, and I just did a, I, I had this podcast out. I mean, no offense, but if I open my door and throw a stick, I'll hit six people with a podcast. Everyone but has a podcast, yeah. Not as good as yours. Okay. And <laughs> but I did one last year. Uh, I, I have this fascinating story of the rights to this guy who kidnapped Frank Sinatra Jr. So I thought that would be, you know, really cool. And it, and it was. What was my point to that? I, I guess your point was just like, you know, everyone has a podcast. I have a podcast. Go listen to it. No, no, no. Here's, what I, here's what my point was, that there was a, a, a really sweet girl who was a producer on it who lived in Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. And she was great. This movie was called Wedding Wars. And um, Dane Cook played my brother. And he was kind of a homophobic jackass in, in the show, not in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my character was getting married, and he was a wedding planner. And it was really one of the first, it was early, early on in the whole gay marriage uh, acceptance. I hope it stays that way, that people stay accepted there. Anyway, it was a, it was a great time in Newfoundland, and I love Canada. Whoa, Canada. We played there quite a bit, the Beach Boys, uh, over the years. Of course, one of the guys in our band is from, um, his name is Tim Banam, and he's from Calgary, maybe? or uh, Okay. Yeah, somewhere like somewhere out west. Yeah. yeah, but I've been I've been to Canada quite a bit over the years. You know, we make movies and TV movies there. Have you ever had like so for the Canadian references? Like, have you ever had say like a beaver tail? Is that sexual? 
No, no, it's it's oh. like it's a okay. snack that they give you like a I, oh. I, like it's a skate like if you go skating, have you got mm-hmm. you, obviously I'm sure you went ice skating at some point, but like skating on a canal here in like say Ottawa, they give uh-huh. you like these it's like a big sugary treat of a beaver tail. So it's like and it's oh it's like fattening. But yeah. at the same point it's like so good. Know, it's very it's very Canadian, I feel. Is it really a beaver tail? Uh, like a real beaver tail? No, no, no. Okay, no. I would, I would, I would be kind of disgusted if that yeah. was the case. Where it's just like, hey, that is like one thing that we have here. We have beavers, and you're ruining the you're very ruining thing. Beavers. You're uh, funny, uh, Tobin. You're really sharp. I, I try to be now, not sharply dressed, just sharp up here for the Saget. You know, commandeered that your you show with him for the most part. It's hard to, you know. I'm really happy to be here, and I'm so glad that it's your birthday. Uh, happy birthday! I wish I. I just saw it was. I would have sent you something. What would oh. be your ultimate birthday present for me? I, I, if you want to do a request, I mean, sing me happy birthday. I will. We'll sing something later. Are you yeah. a singer? Do you, are you a musician at all? I I sing in the shower, and I get okay. told to shut up a lot. <laughs> who's with someone? Who's in the shower with you? It's just me. But oh. then there's Who people tells like, you to shut up. Oh, like just anyone that's in public, they'll just they be like, they'll, they'll, they'll hear me and they'll be like, "Sir, are you okay in there?" I'll be like, "Yeah, why?" They'll be like, "Oh, that's nothing. We thought you were getting murdered." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh," I was like, "It was just me singing." They're just like, "Okay, please don't do that ever again." I'm like, nah, "Oh man, sure. okay." I'm an, I'm not a great singer, and yet I've done like five Broadway musicals. I just sort of my parents were great in the sense that they never they never put any op they never taught me to put obstacles up. If you want to do something, do, I was was never like, oh, I can't get an age and I can't get a job. I you know, I want to be an actor and a musician. I just did it. I, w- I mean, I wish I could go back, get back to some of that fearlessness, but I was never, I still am not. I hate singing. I don't hate it. I don't like singing. And I seem to have to sing quite a bit, but I just study it. I just would work really, really hard on, you know, a song or songs. And on Broadway, it's a little easier because you could sort of throw like my my trick is just throw so much vibrato on it that eventually I'll hit the ah, I'll hit the note somewhere in there you know, but um, singing is not my bag. Did you play any instruments ever? I played. I, I think there was a time frame that I wanted to play guitar or piano, mm-hmm. and then I just realized that I wasn't musically inclined. I was more or less. A, I'm a good public speaker. I'm yeah. a good like self. Was it like self humorous person? Okay. And I found when you were younger, like that was a good way to get people to kind of either indulge you or be like, Hey, he's funny. We're all bad. <laughs> Invite Tobin Stop. over so that we can be a little bit happy. And I'd okay. be like, all right. Oh, yeah. That's right? a gift. Tobin, that's a gift. I think you, it's you, a, I think it's a gift. <laughs> you were saying you're self-deprecating. Is that the thing? I like self-deprecating humor. I think yeah. it's like, you know, if you can kind of find a way to laugh at yourself, but like not to the point where it's like, oh my God, I'm kind of concerned for him. If you know your flaws and you're like, hey, I'm going to punch myself before you can. But knowing I'm not punching myself like a knockout punch, I'm punching myself just enough where it's like you're laughing yeah. and now I can hear something that you don't like. And it's kind of like an opening window or a door where they're like, okay. hey, if he if he can laugh at himself and explain something that he doesn't really like. Right. I can tell him something because I know that he's laughing at himself, so it makes me more comfortable. You should write a book on this, but yeah. that's very that's very astute. I mean, that's very smart of you because that is a good thing for an interviewer. Like you already started with being self-deprecating about singing in the shower and birthmark and all that stuff. Yeah, and 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 I'm not going to reveal any of that. I'm not going to do anything. No, oh, that, that's getting... fine because you know, you know what? Was... My my book would be called If I Only Knew. There you go. If you... no, if <laughs> if I only. Oh yeah, is that my book title? 
there was a time, you know, and I loved when, when the walls were starting to come down. And I, I was always uh, this way. I remember doing it. Well, what I want to say is like, it was, there was a time when celebrities just, all right, that's it. Don't take yourself too serious. Cause we don't give a fuck, man. Stop yeah. it. No, you're just like me. You're just like, we're just a normal person. We get it. You got lucky and movie star. Blah. I remember I did a show. I think it was, the, it was called the Andy Milanaka show. It was, I think it was on MTV, a Greek kid. Very, very funny. The, the, the whole uh, concept of it was that it was uh, my John Stamos stuck in a tree and I'm like up in a tree, like a cat. And then the, then the fire department comes and take, I read, I'm like, what the hell is this? I said, oh, well, you know what? And this was like 25 years ago. Yeah. So then you started, I mean, I didn't start it, but you could see how the stars were starting to make fun of themselves, not take on, on talk shows and stuff. And I remember seeing George Clooney wear a, a Paris Hilton wig on Letterman. I was like, that's it. Okay, the gates are, you can't take yourself too serious. So the self-deprecating thing you talk about is, um, is it's so important to just, because we really aren't, you've met a lot of celebrities now, right? I mean, we're not that we're not well first of all we're not different i wake up every day and i and i just make a list of all the things i'm grateful for because i mean i could be uh, but for the grace of I, I could be aladdin at disneyland with a hi yeah. a, a boo you know i lucked out i was in the right place at the right time and i worked hard and i was nice to people like my dad taught me when you started off you were working in i believe it was like your dad's restaurant or your dad owned mm -hmm. a business yes, but like yeah. you know a lot of parents when you mention something like I want to be an actor or a musician, mm -hmm. some of them will steer you towards it. Cause then they're like, basically like, let him try it so that he doesn't come back to us in like 30 years and say, you never let me do it. Right. But it seemed like your parents were kind of like, sure. Like go for it. Cause I, I read that you were like enrolled to go to a university or a college. And then like the first semester you were kind of like, not for me, like I'm going to try this acting thing. Maybe it was like three weeks, maybe three months. Then you had like, general hospital i didn't get that far with with the college i wasn't okay. very um what's the word i'm looking for academical that's not even a word but see that tells you astute. Um, astute. yeah i wasn't any of that i wasn't book smart i remember thinking at school too it's like what why do we learn i, I don't need to cut a frog i don't want to be a, a frog cutter well what are we doing or trigonometry or something and it was like well this is Yes, maybe you'll never use trigonometry, but it'll teach you how to learn things. Well, why don't you teach me how to learn things I'm going to use in life, like dealing with women, balancing a checkbook, de dealing with anxiety or fear or or depression or whatever people go through. So I wasn't, I didn't get very good grades. My mom was, go for it. Love, okay. you know, I'll, you know, just, you could, if you want to do it, do it. If you can dream it, you can do it. You know, Disney says, my mom wasn't Walt Disney, but she did have a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I'm just like sagging. I mean, sometimes I channel him with these jokes. Yeah. Uh, but my dad was a little more leery about it. And I was working at his restaurant. He was building, and he had two restaurants that he bought another. So there were three fast food places. Um, it's sort of like the Greek, like you see in Saturday Night you know, Live. It was like, cheeseburger, cheeseburger thing. Yeah. And, um, but he was building the business for me to take over. So he wanted me to go at least get a business degree at the local college by our house. It's called Cypress College. And... Um, I didn't, uh, I couldn't find the room that you sign up for, you know, the sign up oh, room. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't go. So I never made it, but I, and I was still working for my dad and he was like, that's it. Next semester, you have to, I'll take you down there myself. If I have to, you've got, and I thought, I got to get on TV. I got to get on, how do I get out of this college thing? Yeah. yeah. And um, I auditioned for general hospital. Yeah. And it was one of those crazy, I talk about, I've talked about this in the past where I say it had, you know, I auditioned on a Monday, got a call back on a Tuesday, shot out on a Wednesday and it aired two weeks later and i thought that was just sounded nice but 
now that I'm writing this book, if you would have told me, it's called, I'm going through all my old calendars. And that's exactly how it happened. And I'm literally a dorky kid from Orange County. Uh, I, I was gawky. I was, I know every people say that all the time. Like, I was such a nerd in school, but I, I was. And I, but I was just coming out of the cocoon. You know, I had like one caterpillar leg out, you know, before the. I'm still in the cocoon. You're, no, <laughs> you're good. Well, I'll help you out. I'll pull you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, um, I've got my, my leg is kind of stuck. That's the most to pull you through. I'll yeah. get you out of there. I get you out of there. I know how it works. And so it might, so I, I still worked at, on Sundays at my dad's restaurant. Cause he was like, he didn't know if this acting thing was going to work out. And mainly he really, you know, taught me humility and discipline and, you know, hard work. And he was, my dad was such a, he was my hero, man. And he, you know, you talk about, you hear people talk about their fathers. I don't know what your relationship is with yours. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But my guy was, my dad was always a hero. People get to the point where they go, oh, he's just a human. He was never that. He was always a superhero. He was bigger than life. He was the coolest fucking guy to walk in any, you know, room. And the, he treated people, he treated the bus boy like he, he treated his best customer. And it was such a great example to me because I've, I try to do that myself. I just, I love people. I love talking to people. I'm interested in all, everybody but i was on the show and the show started airing and i'm still working on sundays and my dad and he's like you're just just keep you we don't know it was sunday he's i'm your yeah, son yeah. he's like you're my sunday guy i can't you know how to do the safe and, and after a while people were coming in saying hey can i have a cheese wait a minute aren't you on no yeah. i'm a cheeseburger i said dad i'm famous i gotta quit <laughs> and that was it. I never, I never looked back. But one of my favorite parts of whatever success I've had is that, that I've, I've been lucky enough to share it with my parents, my family. I used to take the, my parents everywhere. You know, the Beach Boys were like, well, we have a gig at, um, in Australia. I said, I'll go, but can I bring my mom and dad? Okay, you know. I want to ask you, because like, you know, when we were talking about the, the whole career side of things, getting into acting. Now, I thought it was interesting because when you go back and look at other actors that they tell their story of how they get into acting. Like, you're right. They basically are just normal people. But the one that really kind of sticks out for me is, I think it's like John Krasinski's story of how he got the office. And he mentions yeah. that he was like acting and acting for years mm -hmm. and it was nothing. And he calls his mom with like a, like a week and he's like, I'm giving up, I'm coming home. Mm -hmm. And she tells him, give it another week. And then oh, he gets the office like within like another week for that. And I'm just like, of course yeah. he does. Of course yeah. he does. But like, well, have you had those moments? Like, I know you had early success going on, but like, mm -hmm. have you ever had those moments where you're kind of like, is this for me? Is this mm -hmm. really what I want to do? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've, I've, again, I've been so lucky to kind of keep plotting through. I mean, I've had years and years that weren't great and, you know, one failure after another, but I think those are the, those are the ones that I've learned the most from, you know, I, like we were talking about Broadway. I did a, um, I did, f I've done five, Broadway show, one, one, four musicals, and one uh, was a straight play with James Earl Jones. One, of the, um, I mean, but I took over for Antonio Banderas in Nine, at the musical Nine, and um, it was a very complicated piece. And I just shit the bed. I, I tanked it, and we close. I got it closed. So those things, I think, I've learned more from. It's interesting that there was a time. The Krasinski story is great because it it says don't give up. Like if you if you have yeah. to do it, if you really want to do this, do not give up. And again, don't put don't 
there's no reason anymore why you why you can't at least at the very least make your own shit and put it on the youtube or, or you know or on instagram or whatever i was working with uh, i did this tv show last night with uh, jimmy fallon show uh, called um it's a music thing something about whatever and and uh okay. the, the girl from um abbott elementary do you know that show yes Quinta, I've, seen, I've seen a couple clips of that yeah now here's a girl who 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 put her own little show on on social media, I think it was, and then it got a little bigger on there. And now she's winning Emmys on ABC with this incredible show that she created and wrote. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse if you want to do it and you believe in it. Don't give up. Be like Krasinski. Wait for that one. You know, one more week, uh, or or Quinta. I mean, the, you know, when I was a kid, no, I sound old. Like when I was a kid. When I was a kid. When I was a kid. I mean, I had an eight. You know, we had a eight millimeter cam film camera, and I have to try to make a movie on that, and then get it developed, and then the only place to show it was in my living room because it was, yeah. you know, was a thing. But now there's no excuse, so you got to go for it. I, I, I've had moments where I didn't think I'd quit. You know, I've had a lot of low, lot of low moments in my life and my career, especially with, you know, personally with people dying and. You know, I had an issue with substance abuse for a little while there, and I had to pull myself out of that. But I always had my parents, and I always had my sisters around now, and always had somebody to say, hey, you know, you'll be okay. Just just get through one more week, you know, one more week. I remember I, I auditioned for ER years and years ago. Clooney was leaving, and it was this day. It was going to be the next big, you know, star on there. It was basically my my job, my thing, but they wanted to see me read. It was like, okay, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. And I got ready for it, ready for it, ready for it. And I walked it and it was a very, it was like a bunch of medical terms that I could barely, you know, get out. And, and I, I thought it was kind of going to be more like a meet and greet, but it was like, I walked yeah. into the room and there's like 30 people, you know, John Wells and all the producers, all the directors, the head of the studio, the head of the network. And I'm like, Ugh. it's almost worse knowing that it's yours to lose. And guess what? I lost it. I was yeah. so shitty. I mean, I literally shit the bed. I barfed. I bled on, on all these people. It was so bad. I was like, oh, my God. And I went home and the casting director called me. I said, uh, so uh, what did they think? You shit the bed. I, and that was the first time I had ever heard that term. Yeah. I was like, great. And I called my mom and my dad. Was, that didn't happen, you know. And and, and my mom was was famous for writing these notes and I found them over the years and I remember finding one saying you don't have ER you don't big fucking deal you you have you have your, you have your look. and um years later you know I uh I I did go on ER for the last three or four years and it changed my career but I remember one day I was sitting around with John Wells the creator uh, the writer and the producer great great man and I said John do you remember when I came in and auditioned for you years ago to play that other role he said, yeah, of course I do. We love you. I said, well, what do you mean you love me? I was so fucking terrible. I I was awful. I said, no, 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 you weren't. No, I mean, yeah, the lines were hard. We didn't care about that. We didn't want to have you have to replace Clooney. It was too much pressure on someone like you. So we went to a complete other okay. way. And that's that. I said, oh, yeah. It's like that. Those moments, there's a lot of that that goes on, right? You 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 have this perception of what you think someone thinks of you. Most of the time, they haven't thought of you twice. Yeah. Oh, or it's the wrong, you know, or you're, you know, do you ever have that where you're just living with something like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I should have oh, said that all the time. But it's like, yeah. I, I know like through pitching, like say, if you want this podcast on more platforms now, again, mm -hmm. the self humor part, but it's like you pitch this like NBC or whatever, like TBS. And it's like, mm -hmm. 
sorry, man, we don't want you replacing Conan. I'm just like, Oh, thank you. Like I, yeah. I understand. It's like, yeah. You know, back in the day, replacing we, Letterman for Conan was a big deal, but like, exactly. you know, but at the Is same it, point, like I, I, I kind of have to at myself be like, listen, sometimes I sit down with a guy who helps me do the podcasting and promoting it. Mm-hmm. And he'll sit with me and be like, why are you so fucking mad that you didn't get this person on or how come you, and I'm just like, because I like, I think I can offer them something that other people don't. Mm-hmm. And then it just upsets me. Cause I'm just like, I'm not getting that opportunity, but then he'll go back and be like, all right, but look at these people that you've interviewed. It's like, yeah, why are you so mad? I'm just like, because I'm not mad about this. I'm just glad because we have those people. We should like, now we have to expand on this, but I'm not getting that opportunity. But and take your wins, man. Take, yeah. take, take the wins, take your yeah. wins and go and, and let that, you know, let that take you into the next, the next thing you can't, you can't, you, man, I've, it's rejection, 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 and more rejection. And, and as soon as you can deal with that, I have so, there's so many moments that I remember too, thinking about like when it, you know, during the time of auditioning for something or I really wanted something and I didn't get it. It's like, Oh my God, my career's over. I've never so I gonna... feel every day. No. <laughs> well, but, but it's not because one day you're going to go, look at this. I got SAG and I got Stamos. And I got the guy from this thing. And, and then someone's going to go, wait a minute, you guys, you got them. Oh, uh, yeah. we don't want you. No, thank you. No, you got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You, but to listen to you, you're a very good interviewer. I do these all day, every day. And so far I'm very impressed with you. Well, I'm, I'm glad because sometimes I, I, I treat it more as a conversation more than an interview. Cause I know mm-hmm. interviews kind of go on the way of like next question, next question, next question, where yeah. this to me is more, I'm having a conversation with someone. I want them yeah. to be just as relaxed as I am, which sometimes can be too relaxed. And then it's just just like, did he fall asleep? I'm like, no, man, I'm just close my eyes. Uh, But no, I just like, I, I think the conversation aspect is something we're missing in social media because I know people want to promote things and listen, sometimes it can be very genuine if an act Mm -hmm. comes on or a musician and -hmm. they're saying, Hey, I've got a new song out. I'm like, that's great. And I know that they're like kind of PR ready because they've got what their tidbits are. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Screw that. Mm -hmm. You save that for someone else. When you're on here, it's like, I want you to be genuine. I want you to be open. Like when you said oh, I was listening to the Bob Sagan interview and I bawled, people yeah. would be out there like, oh, he's never said that in other interviews. Or maybe he has, but it comes across more genuine mm-hmm. when you actually see it rather than maybe like, yeah, man, like um, I was watching the Detroit Red Wings last night and they sucked. They're like, he did not watch the Detroit Red Wings. Look at his face. He could care less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's absurd. Yeah. I mean, um, that's all. That's right. This medium is really incredible. And I, I, I was afraid of it at first because it's like, shit, I'm going to talk for an hour, hour and a half with somebody. I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've really leaned into it. I was on, um, and again, like it's taken, I'm almost 60, man. And I'm just now coming into my, where I should be, I think. I mean, okay. I wasted a lot of years, but I didn't give up, right? I, one more week and uh, things kind of come around. But I was on Dax Shepard the other day and I was, I mean, you know, if you, if you do it right, like you, Dax, these guys, you, you'll, 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 I mean, he, you know, he started off in his garage and, you know, I mean, he had access to people, but he's, he's like you, he's a great listener. He was very well prepared. This medium is beautiful because you're right. Like if I go on a talk show, any of these shows, you know, you gotta, you got five minutes, you gotta hit, you gotta be humble. You gotta be funny. You gotta promote your shit. You gotta listen. You gotta get, you know, some jokes in there. You know, it's a whole, it's very, you gotta be emotional. You gotta be it real. Like it's more it's consuming. It's, yeah, like it's it very is. consuming, right? Like it can be. And there's a, yeah. there's a real art to it. Some of the guys like, like 
Hanks is one of the best, you know, and I'll be on a talk show with him. I was on something with him a while ago and he's just walk, pacing the, the backstage working on jokes. Is this, is this funny? Is this funny? Is this, yeah, yeah. How about mine? Is my funny? You know, anyway, this is much more relaxed and, and you're doing a great job, Tobin. I believe in you. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I know we're going to go into different segues here, and I hope you're comfortable with the first one we're going to get into. But like... Obviously, working on Full House, I want to ask you, like, what are some of your kind of favorite memories of Full House? Like, because listen, I, I'm born in 91. So more than likely, when I was getting into Full House, it was kind of in the later seasons, but TBS would show like reruns. So like, I'm probably watching it in like 98, 99 and being like, oh, when are they going to come out with a new episode? <laughs> right. And I'm just like, not knowing that's reruns. But at the same yeah. point, it's like, I dived into that show like i dived into boy meets world and family matters i i guess in a in a weird way like when you asked jill white about you know being urkel or the Mm -hmm. line of did i do that after a while it has to get annoying did you ever get annoyed when people came up to you and said like have mercy well i did yeah for many years yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but i don't anymore when i i did i started the soap operas as as we talked about and that show was it was 30 million people watching a general hospital day. And it was like, boom, you know, it's just sort of blasted out there. And it was, I hate to say it was a great training ground. Cause that sounds um, disrespectful to soap actors. Cause it's not, I mean, it was for me cause I was 18. It was my first yeah. job and I sucked it. They called me the sponge. I just, I stayed too late. And they were like, John, go home. <laughs> and I was just learning as much as I could, but I always wanted, I left early. I was, I became very popular on there mainly cause my mom, probably called them and wrote letters and stuff but please don't my please don't fire him please, please don't. Him yeah. well, my, my character was supposed to die after five days but the blackie parish oh, and wow. uh so but so i signed this really low-end deal because i was new and, it, and they were going to kill me off so it was kind of two years but only if they kept me and so it was like 400 dollars an episode something like that which is yeah and the show got very popular and i wanted to be on a sitcom my whole life i dreamed of being like on a happy days or more you know like i loved gary marshall and his shows. And so that was my goal. And I remember, and they kept throwing all this money at me, say, well, science, I'll stay another year. And, and I was like, no, nope, I want to be funny. I want to be on a sitcom. I don't know where I got the balls to do that. But, and the producer, Gloria Monty, was a wonderful woman and a very powerful uh, name in daytime. She changed the face of daytime, made it younger and fresher and movement and people. She took me to lunch. Uh, on my 20th birthday, she said, I'm going to take you to lunch for your birthday, dear. I said, oh, great. I knew there was something behind it because I was, was going to leave. She heard that I was yeah, yeah. We go to this Italian restaurant in, in Hollywood, La Familia, and it was straight out of the Godfather. So they could, you know, Italian music playing, and Dean Martin was there. My hand got Dean Martin was there. 
And I was just, I knew the Beach Boys a little bit at that time. And I said, oh, because uh, one of the Beach Boys, Carl Wilson, his, uh, was married to one of Dean's daughters, Gina, Mar- Gina Martin. I said, oh, I know Gina. And they said, oh, the mayor, he said, oh, he loves Gina. Come say hi. I went over and said hi. And you know, he, he was older then. And so, but it was very like Godfather. And I sit down with Gloria and she says, so they say that you, that you're leaving. You want to leave the show. Why? I said, oh, I want to be funny. I want to be on a sitcom. And she said, well, uh, you know, if you leave, you'll never work again. And I oh, said, wow. uh, no, no, I think I probably will. I'll probably, I'll probably get a job. You know. But meanwhile, like, 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 when I think back at it, it was like she had a gun under the table, like a silencer, and all the waiters. And as soon as I said I'm leaving, like they pulled the Dean hits the floor, and Gloria yeah. Monty hits the floor, and the waiters to take these, you know, uh, pepper shakers and yeah. plow me down. That's what I thought it was going to be. But I didn't. I left. I, I, I don't know why. But I went on. As soon as I got through that, I wanted to. I did. I wanted to be on sitcom. So then I got on this show with Jack Klugman, and he would play my father, and it was a great experience. And that's where I met Gary Marshall, and uh, and Gary Marshall was the one who suggested me to play Uncle Jesse on Full House. So I did. But Full House was presented like this. It was like it's three guys. Like one's a comedian. You're a rock and roller. Uh, one's a dad. You know. And yeah. And and there's some kids in it. There's some, there's yeah, some we don't know about them. We don't know what happened. happened yeah, those. the kids. Who knows? But it's the three. It's the three. It's a buddy. It's like bosom buddies. And yeah. Miller and Boyette had produced bosom buddies with Tom Hanks and Peter's Glory. So I said, great. And then I remember the first table read. We were we were in some weird hotel. It was you know it was in the '80s still. And Jody Sweeten, who plays Stephanie blew the roof off the place. I mean, sh- people couldn't stop laughing. They're still laughing for 35 years at that table read. And I remember running out to the lobby, putting a quarter in the machine, calling my agent and said, get me off this show. It's a kid show and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, the kids are the stars here. Yeah. But so it went on and look, the, one of the greatest things that came out of that show was obviously was to me was my friendship with Bob and we didn't like each other in the beginning. We just came from different. Wow. Okay. We, yeah. People were always shocked that we became such close for, you look like Luke Perry right now, by the way. Oh, thanks. I, f- I feel like that's a compliment. I'll take it as a it compliment. Is. I mean, okay. he's passed away, but uh, not now you look when he was alive and healthy. okay, good. I was going to be like, you're like, you look like Luke Perry now. I'd be like, Oh man, I gotta go. I gotta go check some things. Bob wanted it. Bob, Bob was more concerned about making the crew laugh and the guy pulling the cord and this guy over there, you know, I said, put that in the show, man. And I came from more of an actor's, you know, yeah. point of view. And I just worked with Jack Klugman, who was a genius. And so I wanted to, you know, dig into every scene and you know, make, make it, why am I doing this? Why are we hugging three times? Maybe one hug, you know? Yeah. So I drove Bob crazy probably too. And he drove me nuts with, you know, but then we eventually started to, admire the things we didn't like in each other i think i learned so much about com- i love comics i love stand-up comedy and i learned so much from bob um and i think he learned a little about about acting for me but then when the show ended we were just there for each other deaths marriages births and but i i wanted out the last year or so it was i was not I wanted, and all these other shows were coming up, Seinfeld and these sort of smarter shows okay. on television. I was like, I want to be on that. Like, what am I doing on this show? Keep in mind, like, yes, the show's lasted 35 years. It's, it's, it's a phenomenon, really, I think. But it wasn't the biggest hit when it first came out. The reviews said it wouldn't last till Thanksgiving. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and so it wasn't, we didn't have any, res- it wasn't respected at all. We had no, you know, we had no respect. I mean, you know, we have, I think we were on the cover of TV Guide once or twice. It wasn't even, I think I was on once maybe, but Dave. So it was, 
it was like that. And I said, I, I don't want to do this. And so we ended it. And for years, it was like, like you said, like, oh, don't call me Uncle Jesse. I'm a serious actor, you know, and you're trying to yeah, play yeah. all these stupid roles. But eventually I just started to get other work and I started to do, I went on, did ER. I, I went to New York and did a lot of theater, played some smaller roles and good stuff and some of my own shows. And then I just got far enough away from it. I just did enough. I was confident in myself that I, yeah. that I, you know, I started to gain respect here. I'm still trying to. And then I go, okay, I, it's all right. There's a moment. I'll never forget it. I was doing this show on Broadway with James Earl Jones, who's arguably, arguably one of the greatest living actors ever. Uh, Angela Lansbury, rest in peace, was in it. John Larroquette. It was a heavy uh, Gore Vidal play about politics. It was called Best Man. And I was playing this asshole politician, you know, who was cheating and lying and you know, redundant with, with politicians. But it was three hours, two act, two act breaks, uh, and standing ovations. And people, what? They're up next to James Earl Jones. We're taking a bow, you know, the whole thing. And we go out to sign autographs after the people that have watched the show wait by the stage door. Uncle Jesse. Hey, Uncle Jesse. Uncle, you know, I go, that's it. Fuck it. I'm Uncle Jesse. I don't care. <laughs> I just, I was just on stage three hours, you know, with James Earl Jones. You want to call me Uncle Jesse? Go ahead. And they were saying the same shit to him. Hey, Darth Vader. Or, or Darth, you know, oh, yeah, right? yeah. Say, Luke, I am your father. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, so you come to a point where you just go, and it's given me, look, I'm not, it's given me a beautiful life. It, yeah. it provided fame and fun. And, you know, I met all these beautiful people and I got to take my parents around the world. Uh, so I am very grateful to that show. And it took me a little while, but, you know. I think there just comes a time, like, honestly, where it's like, if that's what people remember you for, it's flat. Like, any, like I'm not an actor. I'm not going to pretend to be. But like, yeah, you want to come outside your bubble. It's like, let's put it this way. I'll try to put it in terms that I would understand. Okay. I scored a game winning goal when I was in university in like a ball hockey tournament. But if that's all people hockey? were, I'm, I'm, a de- I'm a decent ball hockey player. Yeah. I feel like I am. But like, why do you call it ball hockey? What is that different than the regular hockey? Yeah. Yeah. Like ice hockey is skates. Ball hockey yeah, okay. is just literally like in a gym with your shoes on with a uh, hockey okay. stick. So it, it's, it's a little bit like less ice skating st- skills, which <laughs> yeah. is good, good, good for me. Yeah, but good like if, if I was like 45, 80, and then mm-hmm. I'd done this, I've done other things and people were like, loved your overtime goal or loved the goal that you want to change. And I'd be like, there's yeah. a part of you that's like, that's my, that's my legacy. But then there's another part of me that's like, I played my ass off yeah. to get that goal to right. like earn us this championship. And if that's what you remember me for, and if you go back in life and say, that's the type of player I want on my team, then I'm like, all right, I left something. Mm-hmm. What but, about Tobin tonight? That's what you're going to be known for. Now. I, I would like to think that that would be what I'd be known for, but like there's, there's always going to be, again, there's an audience out there that doesn't even know I have a podcast. Right. So then you got to look and say, okay, what do they know me as? And then that's where, like, again, when it comes down to maybe people don't know John Stamos as uncle Jesse, they don't know him as the guy on big shot. They mm-hmm. probably just remember John Stamos as, Hey, he took time to do podcast interviews. He's a very genuine, nice person. And that I feel goes a longer way yeah. than anything that you'll ever be started. Sorry. Sorry, Stamos. Mm, yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, well, that's observant. Yeah. So, and, and present the best me that I could present out there. And then that's that's the only control we have. We have no control over anything else. So I, I want to ask you, because when you're saying like the, the best version of, of you that you can be, like, I, again, it's a touchy subject. If you don't want to touch it, we don't have to. But like sobering up, 
Like, mm-hmm. was that kind of going through that as well? Cause I know I read, I, I, I generally don't like to read, but sometimes I, if it's a topic that I'm kind of interested in, I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll read on it. But like, mm-hmm. I understand, or again, it, it was like Josh Peck was a guy who mm-hmm. kind of helped you through that. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's interesting. Cause when I think of like sobering up, like I, again, I don't know, like many actors have had to go through it, but like Josh Peck doesn't come to mind as a guy for me. That's like, <laughs> oh, like definitely. Like it had to be Josh because Josh. Drake and Josh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My lowest point was, uh, you know, I got a DUI. I was driving drunk and messed up. And it was, you know, I could have killed someone, Toby. That would have been yeah. fucking terrible. I just, I remember looking in the mirror around that time going like, who is this guy? This is not who my parents raised. I'm not, this is, what, what have I become, you know? And you just sadly, slowly just creep towards, the, you know, keep moving the line of discipline and taking care of yourself and, you know. And it just got the best of me. And I, uh, it, so I shot the pilot for uh, Grandfathered, which was the show I had on Fox, and, and Josh was playing my son. And he'd been sober for a while. So I shot the pilot, and then and it got picked up, and then I, I had this DUI. And I went to rehab for a month, and it was very difficult. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And Josh was, so we started the show up, and Josh was a sober guy, and he, and he as, as good sober dudes do, they, they help each other out. So he, that's how that happened with him. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, it's been seven years in last June. It's like, I, I'm not going to fuck this up, man. I, it's not worth it to me. It, yeah. You know, it took me a long time to realize that, but, but you know, having a, a, a wife now and a kid, and he's four and a half, and like, I couldn't imagine getting, first of all, she would have ran for the hills, you know, especially my yeah. wife, she, she could see through everything. So that, but that's the Josh part of it. He was, we were working together and he's still talk, one of my dearest friends. Like I want to ask you, cause of course going through like that and sobering up, like again, I know it's a little bit of a touchy subject, but like, go ahead. I'm you, you know, like the passing of like Bob, like mm-hmm. did that ever, like, cause I know sometimes like all it takes is something to just drive it back into focus of like, Oh man, like, cause Listen, mm-hmm. there are very few times when I will like see a news article or something that gets you really overwhelmed. And these are people that you don't really know. Like I remember yeah. reading on like a TSN update that Kobe Bryant had passed away. And at yeah. first I was kind of like, I was thinking it was a dream. Not that I'm like yeah. Kobe Bryant's best friend, but I was like, dude, this is a player that I grew up watching yeah. and now he's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. And then like you see Betty White now in all fairness to Betty White, like she, she was old, but yeah, she, she did was... live a full career. And that yeah. was still mm-hmm. shocking to me because it was so close to her birthday, I believe. How, it, why was it shocking? She was almost a hundred. Yeah, but it was still like because it was so I, I, close I to her birthday, and then they were having this whole thing for it, mm-hmm. and then it's almost like now she's not there for it. But like, and then I think it was maybe a probably a few days after that. Like I read the Bob Saget tweet about Betty White, and yeah, then it was yeah, like yeah. now Bob's gone, and I was like, you gotta be fucking shitting me, yeah. like, because I was just like, we just interviewed this guy, we just had him How on. Long? And it, how it long was, was it after? How long did? You oh, it was probably about? like I, I'd probably say maybe eight or nine months, maybe that. And, and it wasn't your fault, right? You you didn't. No, no. Although you know, that's what? a bomb joke. Listen, way. listen. A lot of people when they listen to that uh, conversation, yeah. they will send me the clip of Bob saying, "I don't yeah. want to die," and I'm just still right. like, "That's not on me. <laughs> it's Bob." Oh, you say that? <laughs> yeah, like but, in his clip, he says like he talks about go- he wanted to get back into stand up because we were just right. getting out of pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, he's like, I want to get back on a stand-up. I'm dying to do stand-up. I don't want to die. And I was just like, that's when people clip it and send it to me. And I'm just like, don't blame that me. It's not no, me. That's Bob. Of course it wasn't. Like, <laughs> but Bob, you know, Bob, but I've there I have a bunch of clips just from over the years where he did talk about dying and he did talk about how he was dying. Uh, when he passed away, sorry, I'm holding it. 
you did. No, that's fair. I'll join you in. I got one there here. Go. <laughs> Um, when, when he died, uh, for some reason, I went I went back to his book on tape, you know, his uh, audio book. And when the book came out, I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, maybe longer, I read a couple of pages like, this is stupid. I'm not reading this. You know, because it was Bob and he was just talking about his balls and stuff. Yeah. And But for some reason, and nobody else could do it, I just, I was gravitated, I gravitated towards it and I started listening to it and mostly in the middle of the night. And I would put them on before I fell asleep so I would hear Bob's voice like that should be the last thing I would want to hear <laughs> because he liked to talk, but I, it comforted me somehow and I would sleep, but two nights or so I would, I would wake up as like, wait a minute. Did he talk about hitting his head? In it? No, it couldn't be. Go to sleep. Wow. I hear it again. Wait a minute. I wake up. I remember telling my wife, I go, let me, I found, I kept skipping around. I found it. He says, he jokes about it, but he says, he, you know, he, he would hate it if he died he would hit his head in his house or something and he, he hoped he was in good shape when, when they called 911 and the ambulance came and got him and he died. Something about hitting his head dying. I'm like, what the fuck? And his daughters and, and Kelly, his wife, would tell me, told me, you know, after that he, that he projected his death a lot. He talked about dying a lot. Oh, wow. I have a, Bob, Dave did a podcast like early on where he was trying to do one and Bob and, uh, and I were on there and I have a, tape of it and at the end bob just talks about how he's gonna die he's gonna splat he's making these noises he's talking about having diarrhea you know <laughs> crazy stuff. but it was it still is such a fucking shocker man and um i just can't believe it you know it's just too much it's too bad it's he was a he was such a good you know and uh, we could talk about my new show a little bit if you'd like so oh yeah no absolutely uh, you, no, you but, tell me whenever you're ready. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> but what I'm saying, what I was going to say is, and I, I talked about this, is that, so he died and, you know, it was so sad that he didn't know how loved he was because he didn't. I mean, he probably, even though just, he would he would puff himself up, but it was all out of insecurity. He didn't really believe that he was, he didn't believe and he didn't know how great he was and how loved he was, but what a talent he was and how many people admired him. And, and, how many lives he's changed and helped. I have so many people go, Bob, you don't know this, but Bob saved my life. My sister's life was scleroderma. Bob did this. Yeah. Bob did. He would do these little things for people. And it was just made me so sad that he didn't really know it, you know? And so I did an episode, the last episode of Big Shots, the season two, where a, my, my a coach friend of mine dies and they, and all the, and the news comes out and he did all this great stuff. And I go, shit, what's, what about my legacy? What have I done? But I wanted to make sure that he, I wanted to make sure that 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 my character was around to, so the girls at the end, it's graduation, and and while I'm alive and while I'm here, the girls come up and say, "This is how you changed my life. This is what you did for me. This is what you did for these people." People stand up, and that's the thing that that's Bob's legacy, man. We have to tell people that we're we love them and that we're yeah. proud of them, and that they're you know because tomorrow's never promised, as we know, as we as we you know you know interviewing him and. Now he's gone. Yeah, like yeah. I, to, to kind of sl slide into your to big shot. Like mm -hmm. I, I'll say this, and we'll go into the big shot kind of routine. But I, whatever, I like, it's like I remember growing up and watching Full House, and I remember relating to Bob even at a young age because I was like, man, I like being super clean. I like being like mm -hmm. kind of dorky. And it's like, you know, you see it and you're like, okay. But like, I would watch AFV then on weekends, and it was Bob Saget hosting. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, this dude is kind of like, now I do, I have a father. I love my dad, but mm -hmm. it was almost like, this is like my TV dad. Like, this is right. like, I, I see him on weekdays and then on weekends, I'll see him again. And it's just so like, 
I'm not to the point where I was saying that like, this is what I got to you today. I got an A in school, Bob, pay attention yeah. to me, Bob. Yeah. I was just kind of like, you know what? It's nice to see him on TV. It's nice to, and like, I remember in high school, there's a TV show that would show retro like channels and they would show retro AFEs. Uh-huh. So I would come home from school at like 15, 16 and watch 1994 AFEs and people were like, What's wrong with you? Like, do you want to go outside? I'm just like, mm-hmm. like, no. What's AFEs? What is that? Like the America's Funniest Home Videos. So like now it's called AFEs. I, I guess back then it was like America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. You see how I told you I'm not that smart? I mean, I should have yeah. got that. Come on, man. man. Come on, oh, Jack. AFEs. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, cool like, like you. TT, Tobin Tonight. Yeah, there you go. I feel like if someone's going to be like, I watch TT, I'd be like, Tea Time? Like what? And they'd be like, no, you. Do you not know your own show? I'd be like, sometimes. Sometimes I'll lose it. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. I, I want to ask, because going into Big Shot, like I've seen bits and pieces along the way. I think that this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I grew up with saying like one of my favorite sports movies is Coach Carter. I also like the Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like a combo for me of because it's Disney mm-hmm. and you're like playing a coach in this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good combo of like Coach Carter meets like the Mighty Ducks because you're taking a team of like women, young women, Mm-hmm. And like, you're trying to get the best of them, but you're also trying to find your way along the way, like mm-hmm. do better yourself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like coach Carter does that in a sense too. that movie. Right. I don't but know like, coach Carter from, from, oh man, uh, from you Wonder have Woman. to go watch coach Carter. And then, then you'll probably yeah. phone Disney and be like, I can't play this role anymore. <laughs> a lot. Coach Carter. Who was in that? Uh, I think Samuel L. Jackson is in coach Carter. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't see I it. Love, but, man, yeah, okay. It's just, but I get a lot of good, like a lot of vibes from that when I was in like, mm preteens yeah. and i would i was in basketball when i was younger i was gonna say you ple- you're a sports guy so did you buy me as a coach and the little snippets oh, that you watched at the show to- totally no no absolutely <laughs> i didn't know anything about it. i don't come from my dad was an athlete but i he, he used to say you go out of your way to hate sports i don't i just i never got it i never i don't have the i don't it's just not part of my thing i i could catch grounders but that was, I didn't like balls. Yeah. I was just, I just never, I, someone always had to lose too. Wait, but, you don't like people losing? That's how you like get the anger out and then you go back next week and then you want to beat that team to gain something. Well, I can act that. I can do that. Okay. I went to, do you know who uh, Jerry West is? Do you know Jerry West? I've heard the name. I'm not going to lie and say like, oh yeah, I know his history, but I've, I've heard the name. Yeah. He uh, he was a Laker, but he was a great Laker. He's the logo they called him because it was the Lakers logo. Okay. That logo was after nah, him. I feel dumb, but yeah. yeah. It's all right. It's okay. You know, you're supposed to be a sports guy, but it's not <laughs> hockey. Okay. So. All right. All um, right. How about Candace's, uh, Candace's husband, Val, uh, Beret, right? Do you know Yeah. Yeah. Pavel. Pavel. Pavel, yeah. 
Yeah, he's buddies with uh, Putin, so we don't talk to oh, him. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, what well, he is, though, I think he is. I think he's. Uh, so this guy was a great is a great coach. Anyway, Jerry Weston, and um, I went to visit him before I did. Someone introduced me to him, and I went down there, and I said, uh, Hi, Mr. West. You know, thank you for inviting me to the, to the rehearsal today. First of all, it's not rehearsal. It's called practice. Oh wow! Okay, you know those aren't uh, those aren't costumes. They're uniform. <laughs> you know, but he was uh, he was great, and I studied up. But it was the scariest thing for me because I just I don't go to games. I don't know anything. I have one of my best friends, Roger Lodge, knows everything about basketball, so he's helped me out a lot. But it was scary uh, trying to figure out how I would play a coach. But I think I tapped into you know these great some of the great coaches that I studied. Bobby Knight was who threw a chair was. was oh yeah. I, I like I look I'll look back at like sports clips and some of the like most famous ones that I think are like it's interesting to see like where their career takes them. But, like some of the ones that I look at like I can't remember the coach because again it's it's not hockey related but it's just like mm. we're talking about practice. It's like I just hope we can win a get a, win a game. Like yeah. you guys are talking about no playoffs or it's like you want to talk playoffs playoffs yeah. and I'm just still like those are the coaches that I would just love to have like behind the scenes to be like. You know, whether they geared up for that or mm-hmm. like it was in the moment, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, they're pissed off of after a loss. But yeah, like, yeah. You I know, when they have to answer the PR, and then the PR people are Weisenheimers like myself, and they're like, <laughs> you lost like five in a row. Like, what, what's going on? And they're like, shut the fuck up. You got, they can't even say it. They can't say, shut the fuck up. You try coaching this team. They yeah. got to come out and be like, what you, what's wrong with this team? Like, I'm trying to figure that out myself. Like, you know, like, I thought we played great. What's going on? But, mm-hmm. No, like I like I like Big Shot because there's still the elements to me. Like now, if I'm putting it at just strictly in your terms, mm-hmm. it feels like me when I'm watching from Full House to Big Shot. This is like the evolution of like Uncle Jesse going from like, hey, there was one time that he was this like bad bad boy doing, and then he gets kids, and now he's like the the adult dad role. But now it's not mm-hmm. just like him focusing on himself because I feel like sometimes Uncle Jesse did do that. It was all about Uncle Jesse, but this is like. Now it's like, oh crap! Now I have all these like adolescent kids that I have to teach, but like now I'm their kind of their go-to. And there are scenes where it still kind of brings me back to the Full House moments where you're teaching them, but they're opening up to you. And then this is like a realization for your character to be like, all right, like I'm not just this coach anymore. Like they're mm-hmm. trusting me, right. and I got to take this responsibility. And like, I know like in season two it becomes more of a less of a prick or a dick. And more of like, we're going to give him a layer of he is kind of a warm-hearted guy. But I do like how you kind of said, he still has to have some dick qualities. We can't have him make, turn him yeah. right into a Care Bear, which I like. Right, because right, right. you still have to have evolution to the character. But yeah. yeah, if all of a sudden it's like season two, yeah, he's no longer an asshole. He's a nice guy. But like, done. Yeah. season, It's done. Seriously. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all very observant. Uh, except for the full house part. Yeah, man, um, I'm a very observant guy. I know you are. (laughs) Yeah, it has all those elements. You know, it's, uh, it really is a wonderful show. I love it. I like playing this character. He, you know, the key to a, to a good character on television and lasting character, I think is a flawed character and he certainly is. And the key is that he learns, because you don't want him to be a complete prick. He learns a little bit about what he did wrong. He's a guy who's, kicking and screaming going into what it means to be a modern man really you know yeah. and letting this machismo bullshit and it really does shine a light on 
the inequality of women's sports versus men's sports. He talks about the beauty of women's basketball, that they play a better game, more interesting game. And But then he sticks his foot in his ear, that, you know, the next time. And I'll yeah. say stupid shit, you know. And you have to have a character. I mean, he's not Archie Bunker, but he's a guy who's like says dumb shit. He's, says, trying, his oh, be- he's trying his best, trying but he's best. not completely there yet. Right. And who like, is? I mean, yeah. we're all work in progress. Dave Couillet from Full House, you know, he plays hockey and played hockey. <laughs> We've been trying to get Dave on just to be just just to say, but Dave is like very hard to get. Harder than me? Yeah, apparently. He'll go and do anything. You know what, Stamos? Reach out to Dave and be like, you know what? Tobin has gone two for two. We need to. Let's see if we can get him on FaceTime. You know what? This is good. Let me see if I can get him. I talked to him earlier. Uh, He lives in Detroit now, but. um, Oh, he'd love it because I have Detroit hmm. Red Wing stuff here in the background. There you go. Yeah. But he was, you know, he played hockey and stuff. But he would do. He hopefully he'll answer because I want to. He um, he would. He was doing these celebrity hockey games in the eight nineties and stuff. And he took me on a few. And he he'll tell, tell a great story about. Um, oh, good. Hi, David. Now listen, I'm on this kid's show, Tobin tonight. He's a he's in Canada. He's a hockey fan. He loves you. Bob was on a show. I'm on the show. And he says, I've been trying to get Dave and I can't get him. I said, well, I'll get him. But we were just talking about hockey. I wanted to talk. It's the only thing he can relate to is hockey. This kid. Wow. And thank that, you. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, I need to take this out. So here, I'm going to do this. I wanted to tell him a story where you used to take me on these celebrity games and some of the hockey guys that I met. Dave, meet uh, Tobin. Hey, Dave. Hey, Tobin. How are you? I'm good. I'm here in Detroit. Well, that's good. Like, I have a Detroit Red Wings room set up here, so like, hopefully, you can join this podcast at some point, so we can talk about it. I would love to. Yeah, I'm sure Dave. Dave would be great for you guys to talk. But I used to go on these. Dave would do these celebrity hockey games, and it would be like half really great old pro hockey guys, and then celebrities, and he would bring me out to be like a coach or some kind of. Th- I knew nothing about. It. But tell him some a story about one of those, Dave. Well, we played uh, against the 72 uh, Boston Bruins Cup team. Okay. So they had Esposito, Hodge, or Cheevers. Derek Sanderson was on the bench. Busick, Cashman. It was everybody. And Ooh. sold out at the Boston Garden, the old garden. And so John's our coach. And there's a big buildup. Esposito comes out and everybody's going crazy. So now they know Bobby Orr, number four, is coming out. And the place is going absolutely crazy because Bobby Orr hadn't been on the ice sheet there at the Boston Garden since he retired because he had some knee problems and major surgeries. So the place was electric. So they introduced, and I'm standing next to Gordie Howe on one side of me on the blue line and Keith Magnuson from the Chicago Blackhawks, tough guy from the Hawks, was a sweetheart. He's on my other side. And those two guys are just looking at Bobby Orr skating on the ice. And Magnuson has tears in his eyes. And it's an emotional moment. And the place just gives Bobby Orr a standing ovation that just will not stop. It's it's literally five minutes of people just going crazy. So I skate over the bench and John looks over at me and he goes, who's this, uh, who's this Orr kid? <laughs> well, <laughs> I go, that's Bobby Orr. Okay, he, he's up at that time, until that time, I think, uh, before Nicholas Lidstrom, he had, I believe, seven or eight Norris trophies. He was the best defenseman, a guy who revolutionized the game of hockey as a rushing high school 
defenseman. Mm-hmm. And John just said no. <laughs> well, I thought the hockey players were supposed to be so tough. And here's this big guy crying over here. This big guy crying over here. I go, what's so tough about these assholes? So, I could, so, uh, you know. So, Coulier, are you surprised that this guy gets a role of Big Shot, which is like a sports TV show kind of thing? And then this guy's just, you know, don't know mm-hmm. nothing squat about hockey. And here he is now being a coach. Well, you know, he, well, that's where his acting ability. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> totally. If he wasn't a great actor, you know, I, we'd be having a different conversation. I think but people laugh at that. Very talented <laughs> to be able to pull this off. But when we were doing Full House back in the in the day, uh, whenever there was a sports scene like playing basketball or or, or skating on the ice or uh, uh, hitting a golf ball, I always had to teach. You. John and Bob, you know, how to either throw the ball, how to hit the golf ball or how to shoot. Do you remember when I was playing basketball? It was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on there. I didn't know who he was either. He's just tall. That's right. And I, 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 I went to make a basket and I pushed the ball and it hit the rim and went bam! Like smacked me right in the fucking face. And they they used that. They thought, well, that's great. We'll just use that. I'm like, I'm seeing stars. Yeah, but wait, yeah. Dave, did, didn't we go? Out? I remember sitting at dinner at a diner with two big hockey guys ears, and they were. I was. I think you went to the bathroom. And I was like, "All right, guys. So what's this hockey thing? How do you play it? What?" And they're they had they had um, they had salt shakers and peppers, and they like, "Okay, here's the goal." They were like really intensely teaching me how to telling me about the game. Right, Dave. Dave came back from that. And was like, "What the fuck?" I think it, it was it was. I believe it was Darren McCarty and Steve Eiserman. Oh, okay, there you go. Really? Those are like two like and, fantastic players. What are you, uh, come on, Stamos. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Or Stanley Krebs. You know, uh, <laughs> those guys. But you know what? They treated John like he was one of the boys. And we raised a lot of money and we That's had great. a lot of fun during yeah. those games. They were fun. But Dave was always a superstar. Dave was really good. And, and uh, who else was like... Um, did, uh, I was okay. Jason Priestley was pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good skater. Um, you know, we had an all-star team. We had Michael Keaton, David Kelly, um, Michael Fox. Really, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Mike Fox. Uh, you know, we we really did have Alex Trebek, Richard Dean Anderson. We really did, and then you know, Kelsey Grammer uh, would be <laughs> our coach. Uh, Clarence Clements would be one of our coaches. Leanne Rimes was a coach. She really? sang the anthem wow. uh, one night before one of our games. So we really did have a, a star-studded lineup, and and it was so much fun. And John used to come and and uh, you know be one of our coaches, and it was a blast. Those days were were so much fun. What was the guy's name? The father on on Growing Pains was it? Um... Alan Thick. Alan Thick, who passed okay. away. He was a great. He was great too, wasn't he? Hi, John. Dave, will you come do Tobin's show sometime? Because he's a really good kid. He's to. he's in um, Newfoundland. He's a Newfoundlander. Tobin, my my mother's side of the family is all from New Brunswick. Oh, okay. East Coast. East Coast. Okay. So, yeah, I'd love to do your show, John. Slide him all my my deets. There you go. See that? That's yeah, all. Okay. He said you were the only. He couldn't. He said you. He couldn't get you. Yeah, like imagine out of Bob, John, and you, it's like you're the hardest right. one to get. Like, come on, Dave, what's going on here, man? You're your top secret. I'll get. I'll get you his info. You know, he was talking about. He was talking about Bob, uh, Dave. He was. He had him on the show, 
and Bob was talking about dying or don't kill me or, you know, how he was. And I was just telling, uh, I was telling Tobin about your podcast that you had and Dave, Bob was talking about dying, remember? And how the noises it would make and everything. Yeah, he goes, this is the sound, this is the sound of me, the last sound I make right before I die. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we miss him. We miss him. All right, I love you, Dave. See, there you go, Tobin. I can make well, all your I, I appreciate. I appreciate that because it's like yeah. most times you reach out to PR, and it's like sometimes. Well, it's like, okay. I'm well, not. Got, I, I'm not sure. I, I honestly, it's I like think all you guys would be good together because you both yeah. want to talk about hockey, and, yeah. and I don't. Do how are we going to celebrate your birthday? Going to go out and have a, 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 a an oxtail or whatever you guys eat there? A, I think, a just, man. Like honestly, I think I'll probably watch like a Detroit Red Wings game, get some Boston okay. pizza, nice, play, and play some play some PS Five. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, think of me. Yeah, yeah. I, I will create John Stamos in NHL 23 and just be like, <laughs> get this guy 20 goals or at least 10. <laughs> yeah, give me something. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you have a lovely day. And uh, again, yeah. thanks so much for doing this. Happy birthday, pal. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to John Stamos for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.